0: So I was working at Disney and, um, behind my register bank, cause there's three like spread out. They're just like mm-hmm. register banks that have like three, four registers at them. Um, uh, behind me is the pick a brick wall. So that's where all the like individual, individual colored mm-hmm. like pieces of brick are that people can pick and build and put it in a cup. Somebody left a backpack there. Like they forgot a backpack. One of my managers comes up to me and specifically singles me out and like has me lean back. Cause there's like this little shelf behind us and he's like leaning over to talk to me and he's like Paige there's a backpack over there and we have to bring in the bomb squad <laughs> <laughs> and I was like oh okay so then he left and I keep bringing people out and I'm like terrified that something's going to happen and he comes back and he pulls me back and he's like they're going to bring in a bomb sniffing dog if the dog lays down run I was like so, I'm ringing up a customer, freaking the fuck out, thinking that I'm going to explode <laughs> in my minimum wage job. And I get a secret shopper. And I don't do the questions because I am sweating. I am so terrified. And then, like, put out these fucking stanchions to, like, close the v, like pick a brick section. And everyone's like, why is the pick brick section closed? <laughs> and he's like, don't tell anyone. And I'm like, I'm the only one that knows that we could all die in holy fire. And I got dinged on the secret shopper and one of the managers scolded me. I was like, I was worried I was going to blow up and they're like, <laughs> oh yeah, he could have probably not told you that. I like, oh, you think, you think he could have not told me that I was probably going to explode if the dog fucking lays down. <laughs> dog didn't lay down. It was just a fucking backpack. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ. Welcome. Welcome. To the 23rd episode of Beer and Fear. To
1: the 23rd episode of Beer and Fear. Is
0: there an echo in here?
1: And it is my turn to welcome people.
0: Sorry. I did it. I did do it last time. Go ahead. My bad. Start over. No, go ahead. Welcome. Go ahead. I feel bad now.
1: <laughs> welcome to Beer and Fear. This is episode. 23. Two,
0: three. My name is Zach. My name is Paige.
1: This week, we're talking about spontaneous human combustion.
0: Isn't that interesting?
1: It's uh, always been a fascinating topic i I have too much too much research on
0: have never looked into it before so i was very interested to look into it this time around to figure out how it happens
1: it's very cool Mm -hmm. um i don't think it's ever been a genuine fear of mine but i'm sure it's uh
0: have you seen those posts that are just like what is something that childhood made you think you would fear more as an adult mm -hmm. quicksand Mm -hmm. and spontaneous human combustion (laughs) were the two things for me wow i was like wow and then i was also like where are the free drugs I was always told that strangers would just hand them out, and it seems very hard to get a hold of them. (laughs) So strange. Uh,
1: But yeah, as we find out as adults, those things just don't happen. Um, No, I'm very upset about
0: the quicksand. We
1: will talk uh, about a few cases of uh, unfortunate uh, circumstances. Uh, Human ignition. Yeah, unfortunate. Not the R. Kelly kind of human ignition. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) people unlucky. That uh, lit up in flame. Mm-hmm. Um, recap since last episode. Talk um, um, about anything?
0: Uh, I started a new job or I start a new job. I interviewed, got hired on the spot in a very fast interview. Then I was just kind of like, okay, do I have the job? <laughs> I have the job. All right. <laughs> I'm employed here.
1: It's next week. You yes.
0: I start next week. I'm waiting for a phone call from my new boss nice. to figure out a day that I start my
1: training. Nice. Uh, so I do that. Um Nothing much else. And it pays more. Yes. And you'll like it a lot more. Hopefully. And it's a normal schedule.
0: Yes. Instead of overnights. Amazing. But then I also thought about maybe keeping the overnight job and just like making a lot of money.
1: <laughs> so I don't
0: know. I'm on the fence about it. I'll figure it out. I'll make a decision eventually.
1: Uh, but that's about
0: it. Nothing different. Oh, I uh, I shut down one of my fish tanks. So now I just have my um my two leopard geckos and my two tarantulas.
1: Just four pets? Yeah. Wow! Yeah, I went down. It's quite a quite a shift from uh, uh, a couple that, months ago. I
0: know I was at like 17. <laughs> I rehomed really them. That's Man, good. I miss my bird.
1: I miss your bird too. Oh, uh, lemon, bird.
0: such a good baby. You
1: reminded me. Um, I was watching the. Uh, I don't know what they're called. A, a press conference. That's mm-hmm. what they're called. I was watching the press conferences this afternoon. Um, and they they talked about one of the executive orders that. Uh, is being signed today. Yeah. Uh, and it talks about uh, employees who have the right to uh, refuse working at an establishment, uh, whether this is one that they've already worked at or if they're trying to get a job.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Employers?
1: Employees uh. refusing to work at a certain business
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, due to the potential of exposure to COVID-19. Okay. So that made me think about your job. And how you said that there oh, were some Amazon. cases at yeah. Amazon. Um Several. So under this, from what I understood, under this order, you would be able to file for unemployment mm-hmm. even though you had this job because there is an occupational hazard mm-hmm. of you my, potentially. Uh,
0: my mom told me to report them to OSHA. Yeah. Because they've had so many, and I know they're not social distancing.
1: Well, I, I'm, I'm sure OSHA is just over...
0: Oh, probably. <laughs> With, Extremely overwhelmed, and I can't imagine yeah. that they'd probably be able to do much yeah. about a billion-dollar company. But
1: but he's trying to put something in place that, that pretty much guarantees you uh, unemployment or at least not having to work at an establishment like that. And put yourself at risk, yeah. in order to pay bills. Pay bills. Yeah, yeah. that's that's so good. that's pretty neat.
0: That's nice. Well, isn't that a part of his trillion dollar package, like his relief deal? And people are like so. already trying to get him to like lower it, and he's mm-hmm. just like, "Fuck
1: you." Uh, that was one of the one of the things I want to talk about. I know we say it's not a political podcast; it's not. We try not to make it political, but, uh, but it doesn't
0: hurt to talk about the news of the day. I don't
1: know if you guys n- noticed uh, on Wednesday um, the the crazy thing that happened last Wednesday. Did you guys you guys see that? It's uh, pretty neat. Uh, I'm I'm very happy. Uh, I'm very optimistic, as I'm sure a lot of Americans are.
0: I told you I messaged you. Chelsea and I were crying.
1: Yeah, I was I was watching was the whole thing day? too. It was very emotional. Um, I'm still kind of speechless, and I, I've been I've been actually following um, trying to follow things a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I, I'm going to do. Um, hopefully, this four years, I'm going to follow politics a little more closely. To have a better understanding of what happens and my goal in is my, to actually
0: read the bills that get introduced because those motherfuckers be shifty. Putting in little oh, yeah. little, little side stipulations yeah, and stuff. little side things that are just like, Okay, that makes no sense. Why the fuck should we sign this? <laughs>
1: um yeah, I do wanna like ever since uh Wednesday, I know there's only been three, but I've been watching the um uh, uh press what it is they called? Press meetings. Press something.
0: With the press secretary.
1: Yeah, what are they called? Press. I just said them. I just said what it was and I forget. A press meeting. Yeah. I've been watching the press meetings.
0: There's probably a different word for it, but we know what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Um, and I hope to follow those. Uh, if they're going to like, make it a daily thing, um, I'd like to.
0: Well, it's nice that there's actually those. a. Hopefully, this new press secretary is actually
1: good. She's funny uh she seems It's a
0: briefing, right? Press secretary briefing?
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Whatever the name is. But uh you can see you can tell the whole mood uh has shifted mm-hmm. in in the in the room there. Um it's kind of relieving. Oh,
0: conference. Conference, news, news conference. conference,
1: yeah, press conference. Yes. News conference. Um and I I can tell a lot of the administration it feels like there's a, a giant weight off their shoulders. Well,
0: personally, I just think it's a level of hope which no one's felt in a very long time. Yeah. I was talking to Chelsea, and I was like, is this what hope feels like? Because uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I felt that. <sighs>
1: um, uh, what else? Oh, I went to a restaurant called Mater's mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. It's in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It is a German restaurant that I think has been around since, uh, what is it, 1902. Yeah, this picture I took. This little plaque, Maders, nineteen o two. Fancy. So they've been around for a long time. Um, authentic German cuisine. Uh, they have a really, really good uh, drink list. They have plenty of German beer mm-hmm. uh, that you can order. Really, really good handcrafted cocktails. I ordered this um, this old fashioned, um, and it's there's this recipe that's been around for like a hundred years. And, uh, it was unlike any old fashioned I've ever had mm. before. It was kind of on the sweeter side.
0: I was going to ask, it looked like you got a cocktail.
1: It, it didn't look like an old fashioned. Yeah. Not at all. Um, but it was good. It was tasty. Uh, stuff got this other drink with champagne in it. Um, Ooh. It, it tasted very good too. Um, really good cocktail list, really good German food. They got a bunch of wine there too. And then the whole atmosphere of the restaurant is just really, really cool. Um, like the decor. I showed you some of these pictures, I think, mm-hmm. already. Um, and there's a lot of history there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the hallway that leads to the restrooms that has pictures of famous people who have dined at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plaques that they put um, all across the restaurant, too. Like in one of the booths, you can see there's a few plaques that are set up. Well, it's like celebrity say, ate here. This person sat here or this person ate here. Uh, there is a chair. Mm-hmm. Will Farrell's chair. Will Farrell's chair. Mm-hmm. So he sat there in
0: 2011. In
1: 2011, that's yep. funny. September 15, 2011, Will Ferrell sat there and ate. Um, a lot of cool stuff. Really, really nice stained glass, and um, a lot of the stuff that's up here is authentic mm-hmm. too. Like the suits of armor mm-hmm. and the swords and everything that they have all across their restaurant is authentic. I think uh, the waitress said the place was insured for like 35 million dollars. What the fuck? Yeah, there's a lot of history at this restaurant. That's cool. So, uh, great food. Uh, if you like German cuisine, even if you don't, I'd suggest giving it a shot. Mater's in Milwaukee. Uh, so that was nice. Um, I got my COVID shot today. Yes. That's also another... And now you are going to
0: grow an identical thing. conjoined
1: twin. I will get a head uh, on one of my arms. Yes. How big is the needle? Um, I didn't look. I didn't uh, want to freak uh, myself uh, out. Good idea. <laughs> um, but I've seen other people... Get the vaccine like on the news. Needle's like fucking like that. Yeah, and they put the whole needle in your arm. It's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they do that.
0: I'm sure it was only like. Throw up.
1: It was still kind of a long needle. I'm sure. Maybe I was over exaggerating. That's that's a little big. That's
0: like a five dollar foot long. We're talking subway numbers here.
1: But it's it is a long needle. me nervous. Because she said her arm hurt a lot. Uh. Because just, they, they put it too high up, uh-huh. and that's what I was worried about, and that looks a little too high that up. That
0: looks a little high. Yeah. Usually shots are like here. Yeah.
1: They, they measure, it's like a two-finger thing, a two-finger thing, and then they that's where you're supposed to put in it. Your, of,
0: yeah. In your, your sweet meat right here.
1: Yeah, your sweet meat? Your sweet meat.
0: I'm feeling my biceps again.
1: Oh, that's been my week.
0: So Zach's going to grow another head. Mm-hmm. And that head is the one that I'm going to do makeup on. <laughs> I'm excited.
1: I'm excited for a second head or a third arm. My maybe. question is,
0: where would where that head grow? Like where the shot was injected? And then does that head have access Probably. to your lungs? And will that head be sentient? So will it have a brain?
1: I don't think. Or will
0: it just be a face? I don't
1: think it would. It would I mean, it wouldn't need my lungs. It wouldn't breathe for me. Hmm. I think the oxy- oxygenated blood would just travel hmm. throughout the head circulatory system. Um, I think it would have a separate brain, but I don't think it would be be a very good one. I
0: don't think it'd be I don't
1: think it'd be a very good one. No. I think it'd be pretty, like, kind of like a vegetable head. Yeah. Um, You can name him Carrot. I could. Yeah. I'd prefer a third arm because, uh, I would be way more productive at my job. That makes
0: me uncomfortable to think Um,
1: about. I would be way more... When people uh,
0: say third arm, they're usually referring
1: to... uh, I would be a way better drummer, and I could use my third arm for, you know, other things. Oh, come on. Uh... But mainly the drumming.
0: Mm-hmm. So we'll
1: see. We'll see what grows out of my arm. Fucking nasty. Ass. In a few weeks.
0: It cannot be convenient to have an arm growing out of your arm. No. If you had an arm growing out of like it would yeah like your torso your or something
1: yeah you could do stuff with that exactly.
0: But then would it be left-handed or right-handed?
1: I would want another right hand. What if it arm. was
0: just ambidextrous? Like it like swiveled. two thumbs. No, it swiveled. Ooh. Like it could switch its wrist.
1: And then it would just like grip this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I don't like that. That'd be creepy. <laughs> it'd be weird. My arm is in a little uh, bit of pain. I can mm-hmm. feel. It's like a dull pain. That's what happens. Like an ache. That's just needles you know? in general. I think so. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. Let's uh...
0: spontaneous human combustion. Combustion. What is the beer you picked?
1: I don't know. My laptop's not working. Okay.
0: Well, Can't break. tell you. Oh, well, guess that's it. That's the episode. All right. Have a good Have day. Have a good day. <laughs> Because you know what fixes a laptop? Mindlessly slamming keys.
1: So I tried to get uh, this beer called autumnal fire mm, or cool. autumnal. How do you say that word? Autumnal? Autumnal? I, th- I think it's autumnal. Like autumn? Like autumn.
0: Oh, autumnal?
1: Yeah. A-U-T-U-M-N-A-L. Autumnal.
0: It isn't a, it's like autumnal equinox. Autumnal.
1: Or autumnal.
0: I'm going to look it up. I don't think autumnal sounds right. I don't
1: think it's autumnal. I think it's autumnal.
0: I'm looking it up.
1: It's just a weird, it's weird how you have a different emphasis by adding two letters at the end of the word. Autumnal. Yeah, autumnal. autumnal. Okay. So I tried to get this beer called Autumnal Fire by Capital Brewery mm-hmm. out of Middleton, Wisconsin. Oh, cool. Something uh, that's not Chicago. Right. It was a Doppelbach. It got a score of 91 on beer. In, er, cool. on cool. I uh, almost said beer and fear. I saw that. Uh, outstanding <gasps> And it was ranked 4,697 overall Wow So that's That's Good up, up there um, The Bennies and Wheeling Was the only one That showed They had stock Where was hand. Wheeling? Wheeling is uh, Closer towards Chicago It's like Just east And a little north of here mm. I think it's sort of like It's north... not
0: close to Waukegan Is it?
1: No I okay. think it's a little Northwest of Arlington Heights Oh okay I think okay. I went there last time gotcha. For one of our other beers I think you did uh, I called them, they said they were out.
0: Okay.
1: So, that's a no-go. So, I went with a beer called Scarlet Fire.
0: <sighs> Ooh, that sounds fancy.
1: By Tighthead Brewing Co. I kind of like this one more. Scarlet Fire Tighthead Brewing Co. It is not out of Chicago, mm-hmm. but it is out of Illinois. It's uh on 161 North Archer Avenue in Mundelein, Illinois. So, Mundelein, I think that's like a southern south- southwestern suburb. I forgot. I looked up Cuz I know Mundelein, Archer West, Avenue. But. Well, there's an Archer Avenue in Chicago. Yeah. Um, Mondaline.
0: There's a, I mean, the Archer Avenue goes um, pretty far.
1: Oh, no, I'm totally wrong. It's a very north end suburb. Uh, it is northwest of Lake Zurich, uh, east of Crystal Lake, northwest of Elgin. So, oh, way okay. way over there, just due uh, southwest of Waukegan.
0: Hmm. Oh, that's up there.
1: Yeah, it's up there. So, that's Mondaline. Tighthead Brewing Company is a craft brewery located in Mundelein, a suburb of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Our brew pub is a neighborhood institution where friends and families can meet up and enjoy great music, wonderful company, and the best beer in town. Since Mm -hmm. we opened our doors in 2011, we have poured our heart and soul into every glass. Stop in and taste what we're talking about.
0: I'll taste you.
1: This was founded by Bruce Durr. In 2010, D-I-R is his last Good name. Good old Bruce In 1993, Molly, Bruce's fiance, now wife, huh. gave Bruce a homebrew kit for Christmas. This
0: is a lot like... Um, this sounds like that other beer. Yeah, yeah, Tangerine uh, Twister. Tangerine Tornado, yep. What's the brewery called?
1: Uh, from Tangerine Tornado?
0: Yeah. Doesn't isn't it look like devil or something?
1: Heretic Brewing and Distilling. Uh, heretic. 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 I don't know I say it. Heretic. Bruce's father... Correction, Bruce's brother, Doug, had already caught the homebrew bug and suggested it as a good gift. He was right. The obsession was born. Already an avid gardener and canner, Bruce found a new platform to expand his deep-seated creative personality. After moving to Mundelein to start a family, Bruce quickly involved himself with a group of local homebrewers who eventually, fa- who eventually founded and became the Babel Homebrew Club of Lake County. That's adorable. I didn't look into that. I don't know if that's still a thing.
0: Is your phone charger over
1: here? Uh, yes, yeah, right there. Bruce was passionate about reading books and periodicals on brewing. Eventually, he became a certified beer judge and started judging and organizing homebrew competitions.
0: Okay.
1: Production began in the brewery in insert trivia answer here. That's what it says on their website. It's in parentheses and all caps. Insert trivia answer here. Okay. So I don't I don't know where production began. Uh, At that time, Billy Oaks, a local homebrew supply shop manager, prolific brewer, and friend of Bruce's, was hired and became a partial owner in the company. Mm -hmm. Billy is a graduate of the American Brewers Guild Brewing School and apprenticed at the Ram Brewery in Wheeling, Illinois. Mm -hmm. Billy manages all aspects of the brewery operations and is the head brewer. Oh, yeah. The name Tighthead. Oh, yeah. Bruce played rugby for 13 years, mostly as a tighthead prop a position that involves being in the front row of the scrum supporting the hooker. The explanation always is
0: support your hookers.
1: Always support your hookers. <laughs> Get that on a t-shirt.
0: It is the oldest profession and the, it deserves <laughs>
1: respect. The explanation is too long for this story, but we encourage you to research and understand the origin of the name and become a fan of great sport. Okay. So to the beer, uh, Scarlet Fire, and they, they designed the name as Scarlet, uh less than sign fire okay so scarlet that thing fire is how it looks on the can and on their website it's an irish red irish style red ale okay the name is a reference to the playful improvisational transition between grateful dead's scarlet begonias Uh and fire on the mountain okay i don't know i didn't look those things up scarlet fire Scarlet Less Than Fire has a nice balance of malt sweetness from caramel malt and subtle toasty notes from roasted barley. The beer is brewed with American ale yeast, and the hops are East Kent Goldings, paying tribute to its heritage as an Irish red ale.
0: Okay.
1: Talk about Irish red ale. Yeah, please. It is a type of pale ale, top fermented, warm conditioned. Sure. It's a name used by brewers in Ireland... Uh Smithwick's is a typical example of a commercial Irish red ale. Never heard of it. Me there are many other examples being produced by Ireland's expanding craft beer industry. O'Hara's mm-hmm. 8 degrees and Franciscan Well all brew examples of Irish red ale. I think those are all like O'Hare? Or O'Hara's. Like O'Hara's. All Irish breweries I I would presume. Mm-hmm. There is some dispute as to whether Irish red ale is a genuine style or the name or the same as English keg bitter.
0: There's so many so we, ones. they don't
1: know if it's its own unique thing. In the United States, the name can describe a darker amber ale or a red beer that mm-hmm. is a lager with caramel mm-hmm. coloring. Okay. Percraftbeer.com. Mm-hmm. I've been including some of these in our beer things yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Irish it. red ale is known for its unique malty taste and is on the lower side of the bitterness and alcohol content scales. Good to pair with roasted vegetables, cheddar cheese, and poached pears.
0: Oh, cheddar cheese is my favorite.
1: It's uh five uh five point six percent ABV. Oh, it's not bad. 30 IBU mm-hmm. and 15 SRM. Let's pull up that SRM chart for... Yes, for, for a old, reference, please. For place. old time's sake. Thank you. 15.
0: Okay. What the fuck is one?
1: Uh, that's got to be like a Hefeweizen. Um,
0: that looks like milk.
1: Yeah, it's very light. It's got to be like, yeah, Hefeweizens have a very light... We talked about Hefeweizens earlier. Yeah. Uh, almost, almost like a blue moonish beer, but blue moon's darker. It's you know even lighter than that. Yeah. Beer Advocate gives it a score of eighty three.
0: Okay, good. Mm, that's
1: not bad. Ranked number f- number fifty one in Irish red ales. Okay, thirty six
0: thousand eight
1: hundred fifty overall. Not great. Average rating of three point seven one. So uh, you said we got to start picking uh, uh, lower rated. <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> Beers. Uh, this just happens to be not as not quite as good as some of the ones that we've um, historically been having. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, remember the one that I wanted had a score of ninety one, yeah, ranked four thousand six hundred ninety seven.
0: That one would have been great. Uh,
1: but I am very excited to try this one. This is um, why I
0: don't research beers anymore. I just go to Benny's and let whatever happens happen. Mm-hmm. And then I research.
1: Yeah, I, I try not to look at the score before you will I be let down. Yeah. You you you, you know kinda leads changes your opinion and you you want to go with a different beer. It tastes better. I just
0: find the title and I was like, oh wow, what a coincidence.
1: It's it's good. But I didn't I didn't do that with this. I I picked the beer and then I looked at the score. So I'm excited to try it. It's our first red Irish red ale. Hopefully it tastes good.
0: I'd like to do a sour that I actually like.
1: I do wanna yeah try a sour ale or a goza soon Mm. um that's not salty and limey. It tastes like the ocean. Um shark anus
0: Wow, that is some interesting can art. It kind of looks like she's a corn on the cob that's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like they haven't shucked her yet. <laughs> it's a woman in a bra with like very bright red hair. And she's got like a skirt on that looks like leaves and they're on fire. So she looks like unshucked corn. Or maybe like, was it? An artichoke.
1: For your... <laughs> Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, a little bit. Because it looks like, like, if you turn the can, it looks like little artichokes are like launching off on
1: fire. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, those are hops, though. I know, but they <laughs> look like artichokes. <laughs> they do. Um, this is cool. Uh, if you go to their website, tightheadbrewing.com, mm-hmm. this is the first thing you see. Ah, Scarlet yes. Scarlet Fire. Corn. It's a pop-up. It won um, the Great American uh, Beer Festival Award in Denver, Colorado. There's no year on it. Okay. But, uh, it won that. And then if you're 21 or older, I think I am. Uh, um, I last time I checked. And uh, then the main thing is this design with that lady and <laughs> the landscape. If you go to their beers, and there's Scarlet Fire, it's the same image. So their their entire website is stylized like this beer around okay. this beer. So this is probably one of their, I would probably presume, one their, their flagship Most
0: beers. known, well known beers. Make sure you take a picture of this. Oh, yeah. Thanks for reminding me.
1: You're welcome. Oh, that smells good. This is, this is the kind of beer that I like. Oh, it does smell good. Oh. Very pleasant. Oh,
0: please don't oh, spill. Oh, and don't there spill. you go. Right on your shirt. A yeah, little drop. Oh, See, it, I'm foamy. It,
1: it's, a, it's about getting a balance between... No foam in the glass and then getting a nice pour sound.
0: When I turn it, I'm always worried that I'm going to spill on your couch. <laughs> so then I'm just like, okay, p- pour higher. Yeah. So then you can't spill on his couch because it's, it's a nice couch. It's fine. We need a different setup. I think <laughs> we, we do need, need like lawn chairs or something.
1: Um, yeah, but you can't really... A thick foam. You can't really get no foam without getting a good pour sound. Yeah. You got to sacrifice one for the other. So you okay, got a well, nice I, pour I sound. I gave you there. a good pour sound. I appreciate it. So there we go. I'll let my... Uh... I'll let your foam settle
0: a bit. Yeah, that's a thick foam though. I always find it interesting how foam is is different per beer, and that is a very thick foam.
1: I wonder what that means.
0: Like you, when the foam settles and it's
1: thick. Maybe.
0: Because look at that.
1: It is. It's not. It's not moving. It's not subsiding at all. It's just kind of hanging out. Very thick foam. That is. uh, That is a nice deep red, reddish color. I like the look of this beer.
0: Yeah, they were right. It is very red. I like the smell. That's enjoyable, but yeah, like look at that fucking foam. That is that is very thick. That's mm. not gonna go down.
1: It's yeah, it's gonna be a while. We can mm, we can wait a little bit. Uh, yeah, it smells. It smells, smells good. A little, <laughs> smells a little yeasty. I'm upset that I drank coffee before sweet. this because it's gonna throw off my palate. Oh, whatever. we're gonna drink two other beers. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Do we a okay. couple Bonus episodes. Please
0: lightly clink. Ugh, made me so nervous. Mm. Sorry, I had to get through all the foam. It's a lot of foam. <laughs> Mm. uh it's kind of bland i'm gonna go for another sip just because maybe i didn't maybe it was foam i can't tell
1: Uh, yeah there's not a whole lot of like flavors like i guess popping out at you nothing super intense very smooth very smooth
0: not bitter in any way like there's it's the hops is not very noticeable um very smooth but it's like um Mm. bland and then it gets to the back of your throat and i always i always bring up the back of the throat feel (laughs) Mm -hmm. like the flavor for it and it's um it is nice and smooth and thick on the tongue. Toasty. It feels good. Like it's mm-hmm. got a good mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. But I would say that overall flavor is very quiet.
1: Yes. It it's, is yeah. it is not a loud it's beer.
0: Mhm. This um smell is good, but I would also say there's this this taste that kind of makes me think of and I hate to say this because it's a very well crafted beer that kind of makes me think of a musty towel
1: musty towel yeah and i Ooh. feel bad saying that because Tasting like notes, this is an enjoyable
0: <laughs> beer but it's like there's like a musty towel feel to it
1: maybe there's a mustiness to it mm-hmm. uh, i think it's it's a, a little spicy a little toasty um for me this is like a comfort beer
0: i don't know about a comfort beer uh,
1: <clears throat> at least for me it it kind of it, it sits along the the edge of like almost stoutish almost porterish mm-hmm. I would say a little more porterish. Uh, it kind of is reminiscent.
0: It's not exciting. I would say it is comforting. Mm-hmm. There, there you go. It's, it's a simple beer, but it is brewed well. Mm-hmm. Mm. It is very smooth. Like mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the mouthfeel of this. I't There's just not a lot of taste to it for me. I don't really notice it. It's very, very subtle.
1: I, yeah, I think we're, if we're comparing it to some of our other, um, we've had
0: some very odd beers.
1: Yeah, some of our other uh, more higher ranked by us beers. Yeah, which were very fruity and very uh, hoppy. Yes. Um, they were definitely lighter than this. Did you get um, a picture? I'll get a picture here.
0: I'm not blown away, but I enjoy it. It's a good beer. I'd drink this again. Yeah. Um, but I probably wouldn't like stockpile it you know i don't know i I definitely get tasting of like toasted and caramel it's an interesting beer
1: it is uh yeah toasty um i don't know it just it seemed like i could imagine myself sitting by a campfire Mm -hmm. and like hmm.
0: it does kind of is it all year or is it rotating i think it's year round okay it feels like um kind of like a, a fall winter beer
1: yeah Reminiscent of yeah, like a almost like an Oktoberfest kind of style dark beer. Um, To me, it it just it reminds me of a a porter. Um,
0: I would say for my first introduction to a red Irish ale, that's good. It is good. That's a good way to introduce myself to the type of beer. Okay. Oh, my arm. I feel so bad. (laughs) So sorry. Uh, All right, spontaneous human combustion, but also spontaneous combustion. So. The definition of spontaneous combustion uh, or spontaneous ignition is a type of combustion which occurs by self-heating, which is an increase in temperature due to exothermic internal reactions, which exothermic reactions uh, is a reaction which is the overall standard change of uh, – it's a, a symbol. It's like a mathematics symbol.
1: Okay. Uh, and I don't know how to say it.
0: <laughs> uh, but it's like a, a whole math equation, I guess.
1: Very sciencey, mathy.
0: Yeah, I'm not good at math. I'm, in fact, terrible at math. Like, oh boy. Uh, but it's an ectothermic internal reaction. Followed by thermal runaway, which is self heating, which rapidly accelerates to high temperatures. Hmm. And finally, auto ignition, which auto ignition uh, or kindling point hmm. is a substance, or um, the auto ignition temperature or kindling point of a substance is the lowest temperature in which it spontaneously ignites in a normal atmosphere without an external source of ignition, such as a flame or spark.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So this is going to be a very sciencey episode.
1: Something that has the potential to catch on fire that reaches a certain temperature to where it can.
0: Yes. Uh, so for non-human combustion, uh, it can occur with substances with relatively low ignition temperatures, such as hay, straw, and peat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it begins to release heat. It may occur in several ways, either by oxidization... Um, In the presence of moisture in air or bacterial fermentation, which generates heat. Hmm. The heat is unable to escape uh, and the temperature of the material rises. The temperature of the material rises above its ignition point. Even though much of the bacteria are destroyed by ignition temperatures, combustion begins if sufficient oxidizers such as oxygen and fuel are present to prevent or to maintain the reaction into thermal runaway. Hmm. And then confirmed materials that can ignite spontaneously. (laughs) Hay piles, compost piles. Uh, and that's because of bacterial fermentation. Linseed oil and Danish oil in a confined space, such as a pile of oil-soaked rags left in an, out in an uncovered container, especially if rags afterwards used with anti-moisture solvent to clean up the oil, hmm. can oxidize, leading to a buildup of heat and thus ignition. Coal can ignite spontaneously when exposed to oxygen. Wow. Pyrite uh, oxidation is often the cause of coal-spontaneous ignition in old mine tailings. Pistachio nuts are highly flammable when stored in large quantities and are prone to self-heating and spontaneous combustion.
1: Interesting.
0: Large manure piles can spontaneously combust during conditions of extreme heat. Cotton and linen can ignite when they come into contact with uh, vegetable oils that are polyunsaturated. Uh, bacteria slowly decompose the materials producing heat. If mm. these materials are stored in a way so that the heat cannot escape, the heat buildup increases the rate of decomposition and thus the rate of heat buildup increases. Once ignition temperature is reached, combustion occurs with oxidizers present. So oxygen. Yep. And then nitrite film when improperly stored uh, stored can deteriorate into an extremely flammable condition and combust.
1: I love
0: pistachios. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the way I brought it up.
1: <laughs> Just throwing that out there.
0: Spontaneous human combustion, or SHC, mm. is the concept of the combustion of a living or recently deceased human body without an apparent external source of ignition, mm. like a spark or a flame. In addition to reported cases, descriptions of the alleged phenomena appear in literature, and both types have been observed to share common characteristics in terms of circumstances and the remains of the victim. Mm. Scientific investigators have attempted to analyze reported instances of um, SHC and have resulted in hypotheses regarding potential causes and mechanisms, including victim behavior and habits, alcohol consumption, and proximity to potential sources of ignition, as well as the behavior of fires that consume melted fats. Yep. I would go up in flames. Natural explanations, as well as unverified natural phenomena, have been proposed to explain reports of SHC. Current scientific consensus is that most and perhaps all cases of SHC involve overlooked external sources of ignition. Spontaneous human combustion refers to death to the death from a fire originating without an apparent external source of ignition. The fire is believed to start within the body of the victim. This idea and the term spontaneous human combustion were first proposed in 1746 by Paul Rowley in an article published in the Philosophical Transactions concerning mysterious death of Countess Cornelia Bandy. Writing in the British Medical Journal in 1938, coroner Gavin Thurston describes the phenomenon as having apparently attracted the attention not only of the medical profession, but of the uh, laity Laity uh, 100 years ago, mm-hmm. which uh, is all members who are not part of the clergy, I guess. Okay. Non-ordained members, something like that. That's my part. Where was I? There we go. 100 years ago. Referring to a fictional account published in 1834 in the uh, Frederick Marriott cycle.
1: Frederick Marriott cycle.
0: Marriott. Marriott. What? Marriott. Huh. Uh, he was a Royal Navy officer and novelist and an acquaintance of Charles Dickens. Hmm. In his 1995 book, Blaze. With an exclamation point. Larry E. Arnold wrote that there had been about 200 cited reports of spontaneous human combustion worldwide over a period of around 300 years.
1: Wow. it's a lot more than I thought.
0: Yeah, I know, right? I thought this was like a phenomena. Like, it yeah. doesn't happen that right. often. Uh, the topic received coverage in the British Medical Journal in 1938. An article by L.A. Perry cited a an 1823 published book Medical Jurisprudence, uh, Juris, uh, Jurisprudence, something like that, which stated that... Uh, Camala Harris. Kamala Harris. Come on! Come on! A little. <laughs> common aspects.
1: They just shut down. <laughs> yeah.
0: Among recorded cases of spontaneous human combustion, include the following characteristics: they have these things in common. The victims are chronic alcoholics. Yep. They are usually elderly females. The body has not burned spontaneously, but some lighted substance has come into contact with it. Mm -hmm. The hands and feet usually fall off. The fire has caused very little damage to combustible things in contact with the body. Mm -hmm. And the combustion of the body has left a residue of greasy and fetid ashes very offensive in odor. Gross. Right? Alcoholism is a common theme in early SHC literary references in part because some Victorian era physicians and writers believe spontaneous human combustion was the result of alcoholism. So if you drank and you were the village drunk, you were going to ignite at any point in time. That's why you didn't have friends. (laughs) An extensive two-year research project involving 30 historical cases of SHC was conducted in 84 by science investigator Joe Nickel and forensic um, analyst John F. Fisher. Their lengthy two-part report was published in the Journal of the International Association of Arson Investigators. Hmm. Well, I didn't know that was a thing, but now I need a subscription. (laughs) As well as a part of a book. Nickel has written frequently on the subject, appeared on television documentaries, conducted additional research, and lectured at the New York State Academy of Fire Science at Montour Falls, New York, as a guest instructor. Hmm. Nickel and Fisher's investigation, which looked at cases in the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries, showed that the burned bodies were close to plausible sources for the ignition. Candles, lamps, fireplaces, and so on. Mm -hmm. Such sources were often omitted from published accounts of these incidents, presumably to deepen the aura of mystery surrounding an apparently spontaneous death. Mm -hmm. The investigators also found that there was a a correlation between alleged SHC deaths and the victim's intoxication or other forms of incapacitation, which could conceivably have caused them to be careless and unable to respond properly to an accident where the destruction of the body was not particularly extensive, uh, you're almost done with that, a primary source of combustible fuel could plausibly have been the victim's clothing or a covering, such as a blanket or comforter. However, where the destruction was extensive, additional fuel sources were involved, such as chair stuffing, floor coverings, the flooring itself, and the like. The investigators described how such materials helped to retain melted fat, which caused more of the body to be burned and destroyed, yielding still more liquefied fat in a cyclic process known as the Wick Effect or the Candle Effect. Yep. According to Nichol and Fisher's investigations, nearby objects often remained undamaged because fire tends to burn upward, but burns laterally with some difficulty. Mm -hmm. The fires in question are relatively small, achieving considerable destruction by the wick effect, and relatively nearby objects may not be close enough to catch fire themselves, much as one can closely approach a modest campfire without burning. As with other mysteries, Nichol and Fisher cautioned against single simplistic explanations for all unusual burning deaths, but rather, rather urged investigating on an individual basis. Neurologist Stephen Novella has said that skepticism about spontaneous human combustion is now bleeding over into becoming popular skepticism about spontaneous combustion. Mm-hmm. A 2002 study by Agni M. Christensen of the University of Tennessee cremated both healthy and osteoporotic samples of human bone and compared the resulting color changes and fragmentation. The study found that the um, osteoporotic bone samples uh, consistently displayed more discoloration and a greater degree of fragmentation than healthy ones. Uh, The same study found that when human tissue is burned, the resulting flame produces a small amount of heat, indicating that fire is unlikely to spread from burning tissue.
1: I don't even know what osteoporosis is.
0: I don't remember. I knew <laughs> it, and now I don't remember. Uh, suggested explanations for it. Uh, some, hypothesize, um, or some hypotheses attempt to explain how SHC might occur without an external flame source, while others hypotheses suggest that incidents that might appear as spontaneous combustion did, in fact, have an external source of ignition, mm-hmm. and that the likelihood of spontaneous human combustion without an ex- external ignition source is quite low. Right. Uh, Benjamin Radford, science writer and deputy editor of the Science Museum's Skeptical Inquirer, (laughs) casts doubt on the plausibility of spontaneous human combustion. If SHC is a real phenomenon and not the result of an elderly or infirm person being too close to an open source of flame, why doesn't it happen more often? There are 5 billion people in the world, which this was 1987. Uh And yet we don't see reports of people bursting into flame while walking down the street, attending football games or sipping coffee at a local Starbucks. Paranormal researcher Brian Dunning states that SHT stories are simply the rare cases where a natural death in isolation has been followed by a slow combustion from some nearby source of ignition. He further suggested that reports of people suddenly aflame should be called unsolved deaths by fire, stating that an unknown cause did not necessarily imply that the fire lacked an external ignition source. Almost all postulated cases of HHC involve persons with low mobility due to advanced age or obesity, along with poor health. Victims show a high likelihood of having died in their sleep or of, have being, of having been unable to move once they had caught fire, hmm. which imagine that, engulfed in flames and you cannot move. How awful. Just lie there in agony. Uh, cigarettes are often seen as the source of fire as the um, improper disposal of smoking material causes one in every four fire deaths in the United States. <laughs> Uh, natural causes such as heart attacks may lead to the victim dying, sub- subsequently dropping the cigarette, which after a period of smoldering can ignite the victim's clothes.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, the wick effect uh, hypotheses suggest that a small external flame source such as the burning cigarette charged the clothing, the clothing of the victim at a location, splitting the skin and releasing subcutaneous fat, mm-hmm. uh, which is in turn absorbed into the burned clothing acting as a wick. This combustion can continue for as long as the fuel is available. This hypothesis has been successfully tested with pig tissue and is consistent with evidence recovered from cases of human combustion. The human body typically has enough stored energy and fat and other chemical sources to fully combust the body. Even lean people have several pounds of fat in their tissues. This fat, once heated by the burning clothing, wicks into the clothing much as a candle wax, uh, which originally was typically made of animal fat. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is drawn into a lit candle wick, providing the um, fuel needed to keep the wick burning. Uh, The protein in the body also burns, but provides less energy than the fat, with the water in the body being the main impediment impediment to combustion. However, slow combustion lasting hours gives the water time to evaporate slowly. Mm -hmm. In an enclosed area such as a house, this moisture will uh, will recondense nearby, possibly on windows. Feet don't typically burn because they often have the least fat. Hands also have little fat, but may burn if resting on the abdomen, which provides all the necessary fat for combustion. Uh, scalding can cause burn like injuries, sometimes leading to death, without setting fire to clothing. Although not applicable in cases where the body is charred and burnt, this has been suggested as a cause in an event once claimed, uh, at least once claimed SHC like. Uh, Brian J. Ford has suggested that ketosis, possibly caused by alcoholism or low-carb dieting, produces acetone, which is highly flammable Mm -hmm. and could therefore lead to apparently spontaneous combustion. Uh, SHC can be confused with self-immolation as a form of suicide. In the West, self-immolation accounts for 1% of suicides, uh, while Radford claims in developing countries the figure can be high as
1: 40%. I I, I can't imagine, like... You ever think about, like, the worst ways to go? <clears throat> yeah. That's definitely one. Drowning. Open. Drowning is probably, yeah. Well, I would probably put self-immolation worse than that. I
0: hate the idea of drowning.
1: I hate the idea of drowning, too, but I can't imagine sitting there suffering while <laughs> on fire for, like, Aww. painful agony.
0: Poor witches.
1: You know? Yeah. Uh, drowning's up there, though. But, mm. man, that just sounds awful.
0: Uh, Sometimes there are reasonable explanations for the deaths, but proponents ignore official autopsies and contradictory of evidence in favor of anecdotal accounts and personal testimonies. (laughs) Uh, Mast cell researcher Lawrence Afrin, MD, uh, posits that a rare condition called mast cell activation syndrome may be the cause of the phenomenon. In MCAS, MACAS mast cell spontaneous mast cells were spontaneously release over 200 inflammatory molecules known as mediators including the substance um, noradrenaline, adrenaline something like that noradrenaline i think mhm or adrenaline. Uh, Afrin describes a case report of a man with MCAS who grew ill and appeared to smoke in the presence of several witnesses. Afrin writes that the release of large amounts of uh, noradrenaline, noradrenaline or whatever, um, it's like norafinifrin. Pine- norepinephrine. Norepinephrine, yes, yeah, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, or perhaps another mast cell-derived uh, substance. Could turn on a regulatory protein called UCP1 in greater than normal amounts. UCP1 causes adipose oxidization to be released as heat. Adipose tissue is a known uh, repository of mast cells. Under the right circumstances, a sudden flun, uh, flun <laughs> a sudden flun, a sudden flood of norepinephrine. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Uh, Released from adipose mast cells could activate the UCP-1 switch and cause heat generation in excess of 90 degrees Celsius. Mm. Once the adipose tissue were ignited, it would, in theory, burn itself out, inclusive of, inclusive of bone marrow. You're so quiet. Give me your opinion. It's
1: uh, it's all very science-y mm-hmm. and uh, extremely interesting.
0: Uh, my last point, and then I have an article. Okay. Uh, British chemist, Dr. John Emsley, which very British name, suggests that cases of spontaneous human combustion could be the result of an overproduction of pyrophoric liquid in the gut. He postulates that the self-combustion of uh, dip... It's uh, The pyrophoric liquid is called diphosphane, something like that. Dipf, I don't know.
1: Diphosphane?
0: Yes. Thank you. <laughs> when I see eyes, I want to go E. Eh.
1: <laughs> di- Not di- I fi- di- fi- 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 I
0: don't want to go for the hard <laughs> eye. I want to go for the light eye. So E. Eh. Uh, would also result in the ignition of the hydrogen and methane gases in the gut, which would explain witness cases where blue flames were seen to originate from the abdomen as methane burns with a pale blue flame. Holy cow. I did, did just say that? How many examples did you go over? Um... Did you go over Mary,
1: Reaser? Um
0: I just won't go over any of them. I did.
1: Okay, I won't go over any of them. That's uh, yeah, very sciency. Um, it it does provide some. Uh, it's always the the debate between science versus like fantasy mm-hmm. and like. What's the word I'm looking for? Fallacy. Um, like supernatural phenomena yeah. type deal. Uh, science versus phenomena. Yeah. Um,
0: phenomena. Do,
1: do, <laughs> do, do, do. So you, you provided a lot of uh, examples as to, you know, that would explain a lot of these situations. I'm mm-hmm. going to cover a few cases, but... I'm not um, done.
0: <laughs> there is an article I found.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: called How to Avoid Spontaneously Combusting. Oh, good. It was by Ross Pomeroy, and it was written in 2012. Mm -hmm. And there is a picture of a woman drinking gasoline on it. (laughs) So this is off to a good start. It is a nagging worry that constantly loiters in the recesses of the mind. Will today be the day that I spontaneously combust? (laughs) I'm hard-pressed to think of a worse way to go. One day you might be walking down the street, suffering from a faint tinge of indigestion, when suddenly, poof, You're up in flames. Or perhaps you might be slouched in an armchair, lightly dozing and watching football, when the temperature of the living room unexpectedly jumps a few hundred degrees. Nope, that's not the furnace malfunctioning. It's just your torso on fire. The only consolation of combustion is this. The unadulterated pain would rapidly trigger the body's vasovagal, reflens, vasovagal uh, reflex, Vesavagal. something like that, uh, inducing welcome, numbing unconsciousness in a matter of seconds. Good. There are no credible eyewitness accounts of spontaneous combustion, but the aftermath is described like so. Remains are found in the form of an ash heap, but the legs remain relatively unscathed. Furthermore, the surroundings show minimal signs of fire damage, only the deceased seems to have burned. Fewer than 150 cases of spontaneous human combustion have been reported over the last 2,000 years. The rareness uh, has rightfully engendered the skepticism as to whether the condition truly exists Mm -hmm. after all the human body is approximately 60 percent water it's simply not flammable yet the unexplained cases still beg an explanation and it just goes into the what i talked about right Mm -hmm. that the main theory was alcoholism i just thought the opening was funny
1: (laughs) i liked your point about how um that one guy I already forgot his name. He said that these cases should be examined on a case-by-case basis. That you can't take one blanket explanation of all of these things and apply them to all of these things because they—they they likely uh, a lot of these deaths likely happened in different ways.
0: Let me give you the two steps that you need to do to avoid spontaneously combusting. Please avoid activities and diets which promote ketosis the bodily state where levels of ketones like acetone are elevated so if you are in to a keto based diet you are going to combust
1: you will ignite up in flames
0: these include alcoholism starvation and diets based on low carbohydrate and high fat protein intake and then step two because there are only two avoid potentially dangerous sources of flame or high temperature especially (laughs) when drowsy and do not smoke that's it that's how you avoid it people
1: the second one seems pretty pretty self explanatory. Done it but, though. Uh,
0: not to the people who fall asleep smoking.
1: I don't have a I I don't follow a keto diet. Oh, you find Um I do drink beer every week.
0: Yeah, but you're not an alcoholic and um, you're not fat, so I think you'll be fine. I, on the other hand, am an alcoholic. I do have and a fat.
1: I do have a, a, a high carbohydrate diet. Same. Um, I don't think you're not an alcoholic. What are you talking about? Shut up. You drink about the same amount of alcohol as I do. I drink
0: more than you do, but I am not an alcoholic.
1: I don't know about that. <laughs> See, as the result of the show, too, I can't... Um, like we went, we went to Mater's, and they were like, are, are you both beer drinkers? It's like, I, I mean, yeah. A yeah. L- little bit of everything. Yeah. And I almost uh, ordered a one of their German beers, hmm. but it's like, I drink beer every week for yeah. the show. I can't drink beer anywhere else, it feels like, because I don't want to... I don't want to overdo it on the beer.
0: It does become difficult.
1: Yeah. Um, no, but I, to reiterate, I do like that point that um, there's there's probably like very likely that there are scientific explanations for a lot of these deaths, um, and they're all going to be different from each other. So you can't just. But it
0: is fun to think that something like that is. is a thing,
1: right? Um, so use your imagination. Please. I go over a few cases, so you you decide whether or not you think that. Uh, this was caused by
0: people at home, like
1: science, or um, if this was some sort of uh, unexplainable phenomena.
0: Phenomena. Uh,
1: Did you like
0: my uh, surprise that I left for you in the last episode? Me in the last episode. Why'd you whisper it to yourself? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. The
0: song that I played for you. <laughs> Did you not listen?
1: No. What song? The coconut song?
0: No. Well, you were in the bathroom when we did our last episode. I played a song. What song? The entirety of the song.
1: (laughs) I probably cut it. What song?
0: (laughs) Never mind.
1: (laughs) No, I skip around. I don't listen to the whole thing. It's like if there's like a large gap of silence where I leave and go to the bathroom, I find the next point where we start talking and I cut that entire segment because there's nothing in there that, uh, (laughs) What, what song did you play?
0: Magic school bus.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Well, I know you play I left it in the uh, Sirens episode. Um, yeah, there were a few songs that that you played. Was the last episode here, or was it at your place? Here. Okay, maybe I cut it. I need to use the restroom. Fuck yeah. All right. Fuck yeah. So I cover a few stories. Uh, some are longer than others. Some I just quickly sum up in a paragraph or so, but some others I go into a little bit of, a little bit more detail. I look um, forward to hearing your voice <laughs> of the unlucky people who uh,
0: have spontaneously combusted
1: met spontaneous human combustion as their fate. Um, supposedly. Supposedly, I pulled um, a lot of this is just word for word from articles that I well, that yeah. I found on these people. Um, the first one. Uh, It's a story from St. Petersburg Times, Mm -hmm. dated Thursday, July 5th, 1951. Okay. This is the one that I think uh, you were talking about. It's titled, it's actually pulled from a a newspaper. It says, No New Clues in Reese or Death, Debris Sent to Lab by Jerry Blizzin.
0: Oh, that's the title?
1: That's the title of the article. Interesting. Again, this is in a newspaper, a physical newspaper. What newspaper? St. Petersburg Times. Okay, thank you. (laughs) I just need to hear it. Detectives yesterday finished packing the last of several boxes of material salvaged from an apartment at 1200 Cherry Street, Northeast, where Mrs. Mary Hardy Reeser, 67, was burned to death in a mystery fire Monday. The boxes will be sent off today to the FBI laboratory in Washington for chemical analysis. Included in the material sent are portions of the apartment rug, smoke samples, rubble from the walls and floor and segments of the chair in which Mrs. Reeser was last known to be sitting. Mm-hmm. A blaze of necessarily white, hot intensity disintegrated the body of Mrs. Reeser, a robust woman who weighed about 170 pounds. Yeah, that's, that's
0: Wow, robust. that's so robust.
1: All that remained was a foot, curiously intact and without indication of charring, clad in a black house shoe. The shoe previously identified as a suede shoe yesterday was proven to be a black satin bedroom slipper. <laughs> Meanwhile, Detective Chief Cass Burgess stated yesterday that he would wait until a chemical analysis report could be returned before making any statement as to what caused the blaze or what put it out. Quote, "This fire is a curious thing," Burgess said, "and I've been deluged, deluged by letters and phone calls offering solutions to the problems facing us." End quote. Magistrate Ed Silk, who acts as coroner in the case yesterday, said he'd received at least 15 phone calls from amateur detectives. Burgess said an unsigned letter arrived yesterday morning addressed to Chief of Detectives. And that's detectives spelled D-E-T-E-C-T-I-F-F-S.
0: Detectives. They're kind of detectives, but not really.
1: (laughs) The letter said that a ball of fire came through the open window and hit her. I seen it happen
0: i seen it happen.
1: Uh, curiously, uh, they...
0: Are you hooked on phonics?
1: They talk about uh, ball lightning, oh, um, which we covered in a previous story uh, that may have been a cause. Silk reported that people had told him a kapok cushion, uh, K-A-P-O-K, kapok cushion, sorry, and the overstuffed chair did the deed, while others put the blame on ether, kerosene, napalm, Uh, thermite bombs, magnesium, and phosphorus. Almost all of these, Silk said, produce a noticeable odor, an odor which was not detected at the Alamanda apartment's scene of the fire. Silk, Tuesday night, signed the death certificate for Mrs. Reeser, terming it, quote, accidental death by fire of unknown origin. The certificate is marked tentative pending further investigation, he added. Quote, this does not mean we're concluding the investigation, the magistrate told the Times, but is merely giving a release for burial, and it can be amended at any time. Uh, That's that story. Mm -hmm. Mary Reeser. Uh, Steph told me that there is a BuzzFeed Unsolved video Mm -hmm. on Mary Reeser. We should watch that right now. I think we took a lot of breaks in this episode.
0: We really did. I, don't, I keep having to pee.
1: Oh, we watched. Um, we watched the BuzzFeed Unsolved video on uh, Mary Reeser's death. You should check it out on YouTube. BuzzFeed Unsolved, good video.
0: I don't think it really adds to anything.
1: I don't know. I liked it. Uh, we pretty much, but yeah, we covered everything that they talked about. So uh, this second article. It's actually snippets from an article on irishtimes.com. Mm-hmm. It's called Ashes and Cinders, oh. a Spontaneous Combustion on Prussia Street that sounds a little by Dean Ruxton, dated February 4th, 2018. Okay. This occurred March 28th, 1970. Okay. The walls of the front room of number 33 Prussia Street were covered in black, fat-laden smuts. Mm. Plastic flowers on a table in the center of the room had been reduced to liquid and a television with a melted screen set 12 feet from an armchair containing the ashen remains of Margaret Hogan. Her body had been burned, almost to the point of complete destruction by a fire. However, her surroundings were, for the most part, untouched by flames. Hmm. The lady had been reduced to a little pile of ashes. It was just two little ankles sticking out, recalls Brady, speaking to Lost Leeds. There had been evidence in the room of the most intense of heat. The television set was burned into a blob in the corner, but there was very little evidence of fire, Mm. a bit of charring around where she was sitting. On March 27, 1970, Mrs. Rigney called into Mrs. Hogan's house at about 4 Mm p.m. She washed Mrs. Hogan's feet and her hair before leaving her in her usual health, sitting in an armchair by the fire. At 9.30 a.m. the following morning, Mrs. Hogan's remains were discovered. The damage caused to her body was extensive, so much so that a pathologist who carried out the postmortem on the remains said that he had never seen such a complete destruction of human tissue, reads the report Brady wrote for the Irish Times, published on May 12, 1970. Although the majority of her body had been turned to ashes and cinders, her two feet from below the knees had been undamaged. Apart from the chair in which the dead woman had been sitting and a square yard of linoleum and some rug directly under the remains, there was no damage from the fire in the room. Mm -hmm. While it was clear Mrs. Hogan had died due to burning, there was no apparent clues as to what started the fire. The room she was found in was five-sided, and a small coal fire had been burning to the grate burning in the grate when Mrs. Radney left the house. Mm-hmm. However, no connection could be found between this fire and that in which Mrs. Hogan died. Self-immolation was ruled out. The idea of spontaneous combustion, a forensic term used to describe a fire with an obvious cause, mm-hmm. arose. At the time, Dr. Bofin concluded he had no doubt Mrs. Hogan died from burning. The circumstances of the burning are unusual and would conform to what is called spontaneous combustion, he said, adding that the term does not mean that the fires are in fact spontaneous in origin. It's simply a term carried out in forensic literature to describe a set of circumstances in which a person is burned to death without an obvious source of the fire. This is a point stressed by Brady. The phenomenon reposes in the extreme degree of destruction. Nobody seriously argues that people burst into flames on their own. In theory, a spark from the fire could have ignited Mrs. Hogan's clothes. However, the story notes, it was difficult to visualize such utter destruction of human tissue arising from a fire of this nature. But it is even more difficult to conceive of such a fire reducing a body, bones included, to ashes and cinders without causing a conflagration in the room. The inquest, held on April 3rd, recorded death by burning with the cause of the fire listed as unknown door-to-door Garda inquiries, not published at the time, uncovered witnesses who reported seeing a ball of orange light near Mrs. Hogan's window. It was not clear what that could have been. The idea of a lightning strike or perhaps even ball lightning was proffered, Proffered, though it may have been the glow of light of the fire. Hmm. High blood alcohol, methane in the digestive system, and static electricity are among the potential causes that have been used to explain the phenomenon modern theory, often used to describe the intense burning of SHC victims, is the Wick Effect. Writing in the wake of the 2011 verdict, Irish Times columnist and emeritus emeritus professor of biochemistry at UCC, William Revel, summed it up by describing the human body as an inside-out candle. Mm -hmm. The theory assumes an external source of ignition which lights the person's clothes. A person's skin may then split, which releases subcutaneous fat, which acts like wax in a candle. I think you talked about this in your section. I did. The fat then soaks into the wick, and burning continues as it does in a normal candle. Yes. Scientists remain skeptical of using the term spontaneous human combustion. Writing in the journal Forensic Science, Medicine, and Pathology in 2016, Professor Roger Byard of the University of Adelaide's Medical Science Unit says researchers prefer isolated body combustion as there is always an external source of heat to ignite the body. It would seem reasonable. I went over that too. It would seem reasonable to relegate spontaneous human combustion to the category of urban myth. He concluded, I meant to preface by saying, uh, while you were doing your section, I recognized some quotes and paragraphs in there. So I'm probably going to be going over some of the, some of the similar things you talked about. This is, um, My second to last story. Okay. These are a little smaller. Oh, good. Henry Thomas. (laughs) Sorry. Henry Thomas, a (laughs) 73-year-old man, was found burned to death in the living room of his council house on the Rassau Estate in it in South Wales in 1980. His entire body was incinerated, leaving only his skull and a portion of each leg below the knee. The feet and legs were still clothed in socks and trousers. F of the chair in which he had been sitting was also destroyed. Police forensic officers decided that the incineration of Thomas was due to the Wick effect.
0: Mm.
1: Last story. Michael Faherty.
0: Faherty Faherty.
1: Faherty. Uh, they talk about him uh, in the BuzzFeed video yes. that we watched. He was a seventy-six year old man who was found burned to death in the living room of his home in Clareview Park, Ballybane, Galloway, Ireland, on december twenty second, twenty ten. In the early hours of December 22, 2010, Faherty's neighbor, Mr. Manion, was awakened by the sound of his smoke alarm. Manion went outside to find heavy smoke coming from Faherty's house.
0: Okay,
1: Getting no answer from Faherty's house, he aroused local residents Uh-oh. and the Gardai.
0: It sounded like you said he aroused.
1: He aroused local residents <laughs> and the Gardai, which is, uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, it's Ireland's national police, known as the Guardians. Mm, Fucking badass. Like Gaelic or
0: something.
1: And the fire brigade was called. Faherty's.
0: The fire brigade doesn't get a fancy name.
1: Uh, notice the fire brigade. <laughs> Sounds unfair. Faherty's home was searched by forensic experts from the Gardai and the fire service. Faherty's body had been found lying on his back with his head closest to an open fireplace. Hmm. The fire had been entirely confined to the sitting room, and the only damage found was to was to the totally burnt body, the ceiling above, and the floor beneath him. No trace of any accelerants was found, and there was nothing to suggest foul play had taken place. Assistant Chief Fire Officer Gary O'Malley told the inquest into the death that after a thorough investigation, fire officers were satisfied that the open fire was not the cause of the blaze, which led to Faherty's death. A postmortem carried out by pathologist Grace Callagy. Noted that Faherty had suffered from type 2 diabetes and hypertension, but had not died from heart failure. Callaghi concluded that the extensive nature of the burn sustained precludes determining the precise cause of death. Hmm. In September 2011, the West Galloway corner, Dr. Ciaran McLaughlin... Hmm. ...informed the inquiry into the death that he searched medical literature to, t- to determine the cause of death. The coroner referred to Professor Bernard Knight's book on forensic pathology, which states that a high number of alleged incidents of spontaneous human combustion had taken place near an open fireplace or chimney.
0: Okay.
1: The coroner subsequently made a statement to an inquiry. This fire was thoroughly investigated, and I'm left with the conclusion that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion, for which there is no adequate explanation. Mm-hmm. Mike Green, a retired professor of pathology, related one similar case in his career, but would not himself use the term spontaneous combustion. He believed there had to be some source of ignition, mm-hmm. a cigarette or ember from a fire.
0: Yeah, I'm of that opinion, too.
1: The source of the ignition is subsequently lost as the body burns. Green surmised that the circumstances surrounded the death of Michael Faherty were very similar to other possible cases. Green also dismissed any explanation centered on divine intervention. Oh, my God. Uh, my last paragraph I recognize is something that you read, uh, is Benjamin Radford. Yep. I think you covered him, uh, the editor of uh, Skeptical Inquirer. Yep. Uh, he said, "Faherty's case may not be as mysterious as it looks. There was, after all, an open fire close to his burned body. It seems likely that a spark or ember might have popped from the fire onto his clothing and caught his clothing on fire. Hmm. <clears throat> it's not clear why I the coroner- I did cor- not go over that. No, it's not clear why the coroner conclusively ruled this explanation out. Hmm. But you did talk about. Uh, he says, "If the same guy, yeah. if SHC is a real phenomenon, not the result of an elderly or infirm person being too close to a flame source, yeah. why doesn't it happen more often?"
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so I, I don't think it's some uh, phenomena. Phenomena.
0: I don't either. I don't think it's really a thing like that, like the wick effect or anything like that. I just, I mean, I'm more apt to believe the wick effect if it was started by like an outside source, you know. I just right. don't believe that our bodies spontaneously combust like
1: that. And you, you did cover a wide variety of different materials that do have a yeah. certain combustion mm-hmm. point in which which they get hot enough to where they can spontaneously to, combust.
0: You know, oxidization, bacteria fermentation, so it's nothing that would just happen for us. Right.
1: So it's like you no know, what in the body would cause that. Exactly. So I don't There's know. There's
0: nothing that would cause that. Right. We inhale oxygen on the regular. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're overly oxidized.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, we're made up a lot of, of a lot of water. Like I could get it if it... I Honestly, I just think it's people who are in a situation in which they're unhealthy and or have mm-hmm. an illness that makes it so they cannot move and react and they are in a situation where a spark happens. Yeah, there's, like an external there's flame source. An and external ignition. Yeah. I don't think that it just happens.
1: But it, that's also true that... Uh, that that wouldn't diminish the possibility of like legs and arms and hands being left because mm-hmm. there is less fatty tissue on them, mm-hmm. so they don't burn quite the same way. Um, however, it is uh, perplexing that in every case, like it, it was hot enough to incinerate bone.
0: Yes, that is odd. And then and not cause that much damage. Yeah, the rest of the room. Mm-hmm. That's
1: that's what what is interesting.
0: But that leaves me questioning. Yeah. But I just, I have a hard time believing in spontaneous human combustion. Um But, yeah, that is very odd. That's very odd circumstances. But um, I'm sure you could look up cases of, like, arson or something um, or cases of fires, and there'd be instances in which certain areas did not catch fire because of a random, yeah. issue, random thing.
1: Yeah.
0: And since they're so rare, they don't happen that often. You know, it could be that one in a million thing that keeps the rest of the house from burning down, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it's... Uh... Very cool, very cool topic that Mm. uh, I've heard about for a long time, but never really, you know, dug into, like, did a lot of thorough research into. So this is a cool episode. I'm glad we covered it. Um, But it leaves a lot of room for uh, interpretation, outside interpretation. You are right. You know, form your own conclusion, listeners.
0: There you go. What did you think of the beer?
1: Like you said, it was a very smooth, uh, easy to drink Mm -hmm. ale. Um, I found it just very, I don't know, just something comforting about it. Mm. And it was very easy to sip. It was nice and toasty. Um, it was spicy. Um, but it wasn't anything extravagant.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I started tasting the, uh, the caramel a little bit more as I started drinking it more, um, and got around the foam. Um, so it's not completely bland as I first felt that Mm -hmm. it was, but I just don't, I'm not like, Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. this is you know not blown away by it
0: no but it was very smooth it was very pleasant to drink
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was very easy to sip it was a good I beer. like it
1: yeah. and like you said i would i would get it again if i, I was out somewhere i would get yes. a second one in
0: this instance i would definitely get another i would get this and i like, bet i would get a case of it but i don't think i'd like go to a restaurant and order it again mm,
1: i gotcha but i just
0: don't do that with drinks like I yeah, don't yeah, order yeah multiples. You, you like
1: to switch it up um i don't know it and i would imagine it's probably a lot better with food too. Yeah, uh, I would love like to try it with, with the, it. the
0: food that it recommended. Like mm-hmm. it said sharp cheddar, right?
1: Uh yeah, like sharp cheddar and
0: toasted or poached pears. Uh,
1: or like was it? Like Mexican food. I
0: don't remember. I just said I just remember uh sharp cheddar and poached pears.
1: Um
0: how do you poach a pear?
1: I know how to poach an egg. Yeah. I think it's a uh, quite the different process I though. I would imagine. No, not Mexican food. <laughs> I said Mexican food. That's our next beer that we're trying. Good to pair with roasted vegetables, ah. cheddar cheese, and poached pears. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I bet it would taste very good paired with uh, a meal.
0: Well, I found it enjoyable.
1: It's good. Beerandfearcast at gmail.com is our email.
0: Send it to us if you want to harass us, stalk us, or just wish us a happy day.
1: Uh, I may, Maybe don't do oh, those Okay, don't things. harass us or stalk us. Um, but like if you want to send us a story or yeah, something. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Or like say yeah, what up. Sorry, don't harass us or stalk us. That's my bad. <laughs> I was picking up on a different mood. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, posting pictures of our beer and uh, pictures of Paige's pets. I'm sure will still continue. Yes. I have um, a picture
0: that I took of wonton that I need to post. Yes. A little fucking weirdo. And then
1: we we update uh, the other socials with our newest episodes every week, released every Wednesday at noon, so uh, you can stay up to date with that. Yes. And um, we're gonna do we're gonna record two bonus episodes tonight. Which are both beers, so we're gonna we're gonna be drinking a lot more. Yes. So uh,
0: hopefully I can drive home.
1: I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, I want you to play Fallout New Vegas tonight. Okay. Let's see if we have time to do that. All right. And then have some time for. Yes. Warcraft. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've gotten Maybe. back
0: into World of Warcraft.
1: Because we're fucking nerds.
0: Yeah, we are. I'm planning on staying up late, so. <laughs> righty.
1: Cool. That's it. Have a, have a good day. Have a good
0: day. Have a good day. The more you know.